Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome back to the Hulkcast. It feels so good to finally have Aston Villa back to be talking about. Um, I'm actually, for once, not going to take too long introducing our guest today. We are joined by Dan from the Red Men TV. How are you, Dan? Yes, mate, I'm all good. Uh, Much like yourself, looking forward to getting domestic action back. The World Cup was great. The World Cup was one thing, but this is what it's all about, especially on Boxing Day. Completely agree. And not only Boxing Day, but the first Premier League game back for 43 days. And God, how I have missed it. Hmm. Now, if we just zoom into Liverpool a sec, obviously, Liverpool fan yourself, they played two games during the break, a 3-1 loss to Leon, and then a 4-1 win to AC Milan. Was there much that you could take from those games? Um, to be honest with you, not a huge deal. There was so much rotation in both games. It was hard to really sort of gauge anything with so many players missing as well. Um, the, the the more recent game, the AC Milan game, a little bit more perhaps. But again, it was still very much players that we're not going to see a lot of youngsters. Some of the youngsters really impressed, like Ben Doak took his opportunity. There's no doubt about that. Darwin Nunes got two on his return. And that was nice to see. But outside of that, it was a strange sort of competition as well. Going straight to penalties, regardless of results. It was an odd, odd couple of weeks. But yeah, outside of Nunes, like I say, maybe a couple of youngsters, not a huge amount now. I mean, yeah, and obviously there's there's one big elephant in the room and that is obviously the World Cup break. Now, Liverpool had quite a few players involved in Trent, Alisson, Fabinho, Jordan Henderson, Ibrahima Kanate, Darwin Nunes and Virgil van Dijk. How did it feel to see your players represented at the tournament, but also how will it feel to have them back all safe and sound from injury? Yeah, that's the most important thing, to be honest with you. Um, like most, I guess most supporters, I am club over country in a big sense. I don't know if you know about Liverpool in general. The attitude towards the national team isn't exactly great. So, yeah, I think most importantly, getting them back um, safe and sound is for the, is the best thing. Um, Trent's barely kicked the ball in anger for England, which is a different sort of topic all on its own. Um, and yeah, I'm really pleased with some of them. Canarte obviously gutted to see him miss out in the final. He had a really good World Cup when he was called upon. Bizarrely, less so than probably he should have been. They Meccano is preferred a lot of the time, which I thought was odd. Um, but yeah, like you say, most important thing is the back. Now, most of them seem to be back in training as well, apart from Canarte. I'm not sure Virgil's quite returned yet either, but outside of that, the Brazilians are back in training. Nunes have been back a little while now, so... Yeah, it's all positive. Finally, this season, things seem to be positive for Liverpool. It's been a rough start. Yeah, you certainly you certainly seem as though you're getting there. I know we mentioned on the recording for your channel that I think Liverpool will have a really strong back end of the season. Now, one of the ways you could have a big, strong back end of the season is through the cup competitions. Now, mm-hmm. obviously, you play in the Carabao Cup on the 22nd of December, just four days before the Villa game, and it's Man City away nonetheless. So... Which game will take priority? Could we see rotation in the Villa game and perhaps a stronger eleven in the City one? How do you see this one playing out? 
I still think it'll be business as usual from Klopp in terms of it'll be strength in the Premier League and look to rotate in the Cup. I don't envisage anything. What may change that is the fact that, like I say, it has come off such a big break and he might have a certain 15 players available to him in terms of senior players anyway, and he might have to wheel them out for both games. Might mean that the Cup 11 is stronger than what he'd normally choose. The fact that City may also play into that as well, because the last thing he'll want to do is actually similar to what we did at Villa a couple of years ago and wheel out all the kids and get a bit of a hiding. Like that was no form for anybody involved apart from Ahmed El Mohamedy he quite enjoyed that if I remember rightly um, but outside of that I think he'll go if he can he'll go sort of rotation use some of the squad use the players coming back from injury like Sanabi Case and maybe Oxley Chamberlain in the cup and then really look to get his best 11 whatever's available to him out for that Boxing Day game yeah, well, Ahmed El Mohamedy, that's a name I have not heard for a very long time. Um, so obviously you're sixth in the league at the moment, not quite where you want to be, and especially if you look at where you were last season, mm-hmm. definitely a fall off. Currently four points off of fifth place. Now, it's really weird because I've got down here in my notes, what are your aims for this season? However, we're we're almost halfway through the season, but yeah. it, it feel, obviously this isn't a regular Premier League season. It's almost split up into two, so... How do you? How would you like to see the second half of this season playing out? If for me, it just has to be top four. I think you're dead right. We've no, been nowhere near our sort of levels. So for various reasons, I'm not going to spend the rest of the podcast talking about what they are because there's too many of them, quite frankly. Um, a couple of them stand out issues, mainly injuries and sort of the midfield problems have been well documented. But I think it's just got to be top four. And if we can sort of get top four and win a cup, whatever that is, obviously with the holders of the Carabao and the FA Cup in a minute, sort of defending one of them will be nice. And obviously there's still that, you know, huge elephant in terms of the Champions League further down the line. We play Real Madrid, the people that beat us in the final last year, obviously, in the next round. That's immensely difficult. There's no two getting away from it. And if Liverpool play like they did in the first half of the season, then we'll we won't compete in that competition. It's as simple as that. But Top four, and if we can do something in the Champions League, great. And if we can retain a, a, one of them trophies, even better. Yeah, and you we mentioned it before that um, squad rotation and squad depth is a is a huge part in having a successful season. And with the January transfer window coming up soon, do you think Liverpool will look into splash their cash in the market? I know notoriously you haven't been throwing money about. Obviously, you made a few big signings in the summer. Do you yeah. see you going back in for some more players just to really boost your top four hopes? Yeah, I think we have to, to be honest. I think a midfielder, I, I touched on it a second ago, I think a midfielder is a necessity. I don't envisage how we can go into the second half of the season with the same crop of players. Like It's strange because as we speak right now, there's the likes of Naby Keita, the likes of Oxley Chamberlain, even the likes of Arthur Mello, who we signed on loan, they're kind of either back fit or sort of edging towards fitness. So it kind of papers over the cracks. A few people look at that and go, oh, no, it's OK. Suddenly we've got numbers. But we all know as Liverpool fans that those three players shouldn't speak for Romelo so much because he's so new. But the other two, and Curtis Jones, you could put into this equation as well, they're only ever a couple of days away from their next injury. So for me, we have to go and sign um, a midfielder, ideally a defensive-minded one. Wouldn't mind Douglas Louise while we're on the topic. But um, yeah, just for Fabinho, Fabinho has been so far from his usual self. It actually started, I think it was away at Villa last season, the back end of last season. He had, he had a really shocking sort of half an hour and got taken off. And almost ever since that moment, really, he's never quite been himself again. It's been a really strange thing to watch because for me, on his days, one of the best in the world at what he does. But those days seem a long time ago now, quite frankly. So, yeah, I think we have to enter the market in January. I mean, on behalf of every single Villa fan listening, please keep your hands off of Douglas Lewis. Of course, Thank yeah, you very of course, much. Yeah. <laughs> 
But yeah, I mean, you mentioned the midfielder. There's been a lot talked about Bellingham and obviously I don't think he'd come in January. That would be no. a summer signing if it did happen. So would you potentially be looking at a short-term, maybe loan deal? I know you tried that with Arthur Mello and it didn't quite work out. Would you go for that again or would you go for maybe a younger defensive midfielder that you can bed in into the future? I personally would be looking for a younger one. Um, I don't think a loan deal is, is the ideal solution to this. Like I said, we did try that as like a last-minute sort of thing. We did it previously with um, Ozan Kabak as well when we signed in from Schalke when we had defensive issues. I don't think we should be in the market for another loan. I personally would. There's talk of like Sof and Amrabat, who had a really good World Cup in Morocco, sort of in that £30-40 million bracket. He's 26. I'm not entirely sure that's the sort of model of player we should be going for. I might be proven massively wrong on that. I would go for someone early 20s, maybe even younger, who can come in for Fabinho when necessary and can sort of be one for the future. Um, what that does do, we have got a youngster now called Stefan Bajetic, who's really promising, really exciting. It does kind of knock him down the pecking order. But unfortunately, if you want to compete for sort of the major honours, you've got to be a little bit ruthless. And Liverpool haven't been great at that in recent years. So I think this is the time now where Klopp and everyone else has got to go, now. Nah, let's just do it. Let's just be ruthless, get it done and get the players we need. I mean, I completely agree. And obviously, Amrabat, you talked about there in Team of the Tournament for the World Brilliant. Cup. So not a bad option at all. Now, one of the things that would affect your performance in the January transfer market, there's been a lot of talk about new owners coming in. And that's a debate that I'd like to have with you because mm-hmm. we've seen rumours coming about of maybe state-owned owners showing interest. Now, Man City and Newcastle have had a lot of stick um, for their owners and the you know, how they conduct themselves and their human rights, et cetera, et cetera. I was, I was talking to one of my Liverpool friends about this and he, he was saying, I would not want to be state owned, even if it meant we won the league for the next 10 years in a row, due to the fact that he felt he'd lose the connection Mm. with the club. What are your thoughts on this? It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. A lot of lot of Liverpool fans, I should say, to begin with, a lot of Liverpool fans feel the same way. Um, a lot of people I speak to, a lot of people in this building feel very similarly. It's a really difficult one for me. Um, there's sort of an also a sort of you can't beat them join them mentality when it comes to purely football matters because Liverpool fans, myself included, have been one of the biggest sort of one of the loudest noises, if you like, about saying, oh, yeah, City have bought a success. It's all state-owned. Same as Newcastle now, less to a lesser extent, obviously, because so new. I, listen, I want Liverpool to be as competitive and as successful as possible. That's the first thing to say. 
I wouldn't feel massively comfortable um, with certain ownership models, to be honest with you. It's not something I'm massively a fan of. At the same time, I do want what's best for Liverpool. And if that is sort of with all the, the fit and proper stuff te- passed and all that, like Newcastle has to go through as well. If it was all above board and it was all proper, then listen, it is what it is. Football has gone that way now, hasn't it? Unfortunately, in many senses, we've opened the doors to this sort of stuff, particularly the Premier League. And it has got to a stage now whereby you need a certain amount of cash to even compete in Villa. You know, they know that better. Villa are actually really wealthily owned, aren't they? But they know that better than anyone. If you need, if you're going to compete at the highest table, you need seriously deep pockets. And as much as FSG have been really good owners for us in many senses, they've made their own mistakes and they've sort of, They've sort of divided the fan base themselves. A lot of that through not investing, a lot of that through the way they've ran things. So there are no perfect owners, really. I think that's what's important to say. Um, I personally would like owners that had impressive models and stood for what we stand for. That's been part of the problem with FSG as well. They've never truly got us. They never truly bought into us. The Super League sort of the prime example of getting stuff wrong. Um, but I, in an ideal world, you'd have massively wealthy owners with billions of pounds to spend on Liverpool Football Club and they'd get us, they'd get us our models, they'd be from Liverpool. But listen, the chances of that happening are so few and far between that it's a difficult one. Um, it's a hard debate to have. It's a hard topic to sort of breach at the minute. We don't know what it looks like yet. So many fans are divided on what they do and what they don't want and whether they even continue supporting the club. So I think it's a hard one to comment too deeply on um, and we'll have to wait and see how it pans out. Yeah, and I mean, I think you speak really well on the subject and mentioning our owners there, Nassef Sawiris and Wes Edens. I think all Villa fans um, are really, really grateful for what they've done for the club. And I think we have genuinely got really lucky with the owners that we have. I think Villa fans feel a really good connection to our owners, which is is definitely rare in football. Now, let's move over to Villa. Obviously, obviously, I don't know how much of Villa you watch, um, but Unai Emery has won both of his league games so far, 100% record against Brighton away and Manchester United at home. Now, Villa didn't have as many players featuring the World Cup as Liverpool did. Obviously, Leander Dendonka, it didn't quite go well for him going out in the group stage. Uh, Matty Cash and Jan Bednarek, Matty Cash representing Poland for the first time at a World Cup. Great experience for him. And then obviously Emi Martinez helping the best player in the world to finally get his hands on that trophy. Villa currently sit 12th in the league, uh, three points off of seventh. What are your thoughts as a neutral fan on Villa and of Unai Emery so far? Yeah, it's interesting. Well, obviously, with Gerrard being at the helm for the first half of the season, I think a lot of a lot of Liverpool fans had their eye on Villa and just how successful he was being and, and what he was doing as well. Didn't obviously work out for him. We spoke on the, on our version of the show that didn't really happen for him for various reasons, sort of polarising fan base. And obviously singling out your club captain and Tyro Mings obviously didn't really go down too well. Um, not massively surprising. With someone of Gerard's stature, that he would try and do that doesn't really shock me. Um, clearly, he is such a, a figurehead in himself in, in footballing terms. But yeah, I think, strange on with Villa. I never truly expect Villa to be sort of battling relegation, even though that's silly because you've been relegated, you know, in sort of recent memory. But the size of the football club I mentioned earlier, I've been to Villa Park a few times. It's an absolutely huge football club. They are, you know, European champions of yesteryear. You know, they are a club that should be competing. So certainly top half of the Premier League for me. But in terms of your start, I don't know. Gerard just seemed to get a little bit stuck. I think what worked for him at Rangers 
he just assumed that would work down here as well. He assumed he could play the same style and it would all be sort of all happen for him again, but it didn't. And when it didn't, it looked to me from an outside looking in, he didn't really have a plan B. He had no way of sort of rectifying that. He was very direct in the way he wanted to play. I noticed when he was up at Rangers, a lot of defenders were sort of influencing a lot of their goals, including centre-halves. I know the right-back to Vernier, he was a massive outlet for them. Um, and it looked like he wanted to do that with Villa as well, which is a really hard, difficult thing to do, particularly in the Premier League. So, yeah, it's been a, an interesting start. Unai Emery as a manager, I'm a huge admirer of. I think his record, particularly in Europe, is outstanding. He's actually an underrated manager as well. Um, Newcastle were clearly after him at one stage, and it looked like he might go there. That obviously never materialised. But I think he's a little bit of a coup for Villa, actually. I think he's done really well, um, particularly given where you were when he came in. Because he is a manager, like I say, that sort of competed in Champions League. The last stages of the Champions League more recently. And you think... Are you really going to get him to a side that at the minute is looking over their shoulder? And you did. So in terms of style, it's difficult. I think I mentioned on our show earlier, he will look to soak up a lot of pressure, particularly coming up against you know your so-called big boys like Liverpool. I don't think he'll take the game towards whatsoever. I think it'll be right. Let's see if we can contain and then maybe we'll nick something. Um, I might be wrong in that, and he might look to change style. He might have the players at Villa. They didn't have Villarreal, John McGinn, and Ramsey, we spoke about as well. He might have passing players that can play differently with, but I think his sort of go-to modus operandi will be, let's not concede, and let's see what we can do at the other end. Yeah, I mean, I think you touch on it well there. Obviously, you know Liverpool a lot better than Aston Villa. Now, this is a question I like to ask everyone that comes on, is if you were Unai Emery and loyalties aside, you had to take charge of Villa and try mm. and beat Liverpool, how do you? How would you go about exploiting Liverpool's weakness and what do you think would give Villa the best chance of three points? Good question. Uh, honestly, I would be, and this is almost like the most obvious answer, and it's almost an answer I don't want to give because I think Trent shortcomings are sort of highlighted too much, so many, and this is sort of Klopp's words in the past, so many of his defensive issues come from the fact that he's so high up the field, 99% of the time, um, and simply getting back all the time is a challenge in itself, and that's where Jordan Henderson's been so important for us um, in terms of covering, and this season we've gone to Harvey Elliott at that right side of midfield, and as much as I think he's a wonderful player, he doesn't quite have the defensive acumen or nous to get back and help as much as Henderson just yet, but if I was a Villa manager, it would be it's kind of what I touched on with Emery a second ago. It would be let Liverpool have the lion's share of possession. And then just when sort of Trent is at his most advanced, that's when you go, whether it be Leon Bailly. I know Coutinho is not likely to play. Leon Bailly, any other winger. You're probably a paciest winger down the left-hand side. Sort of keep them on the halfway line. Let them linger. Don't let them come back with Trent. It's a risk because... Trent Alexander-Arnold is a wonderful footballer. Like He can hurt you as much as you can hurt behind him. There's no two ways about that. But if you do manage to sort of not concede and keep it tight, when you do get the turnover, if you can go at our right, which would be probably massive and Trent, that's where you're going to get your joy. Well, Unai Emery, if you're listening, there you go. That's that's a secret formula, if you like. Now, hmm. two questions to go before we wrap this one up. And first of them, you did it to me on your channel. You threw me under the bus. So if I had to, if I had to push you for a score prediction... Yeah, I don't know if you would be a boss on your own channel, but you predicted Liverpool win. So um, I did, yeah. mainly because um, I think we'll have Robin Olsen in goal, and I think a lot of Villa fans will back me up in that. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment, to be honest with you. Uh, it's so difficult, obviously, given the break that we just had and not really knowing what the teams are going to look like at all. I think if Liverpool are 
as they expect them to be, which is full strength in terms of whoever's back and available. Um, I think we'll be too strong for you. I don't think it'll be easy. I think it'll be a difficult day. Like I said, I think Emery will look to make it as hard as possible for us. He won't sort of come out and play and say, yeah, we'll play at your own game and see what happens. Um, but I will just side with a Liverpool win. I'll go for, I wouldn't say 7-2, um, I'll go 2-1. Wow, there we go. 2-1. And the last question, again, I always end the podcast with this. We always end it with a non-football related question okay. and it always gets passed on between viewers. So the non-related football question for you on this episode is what song title perfectly describes being a Liverpool fan? Oh, I mean, I've got the easiest answer in the world to that, haven't I? I can't avoid it. I honestly can't. It's, it's you'll never walk alone. It just is. I'm sorry. It's the most cliche answer you've probably ever heard in your life. It's too easy. I, I haven't had a chance to think about anything else. It just is. Like, the, and I know Villa fans and every other fan listens to this. So we've all in our eyes now going, oh, typical. But that song um, typifies to me what it means to be a Liverpool fan. And I'm 31 years of age now. And I've been to that ground hundreds of times and away grounds for that matter. And every time I hear that song, it still gets me. So uh, there is no other answer, unfortunately. I'd love to give you something smarter, something funnier, but I can't. 100% great answer, and I, I don't blame you at all. And if you had to think of a non-related football question to be passed down to next episode? Yeah, good question. I'll tell you what, then. Non-related football, just nothing to do with football. Okay. Yeah, what's, what's their favourite cuisine? Perfect. Brilliant. And that's a great place to wrap it up. That's all we have time for today, unfortunately. It feels so good to be back talking Aston Villa. Make sure to go and check today's guests out on Twitter at the Red Men TV. Obviously, today's episode wouldn't have been possible without them. Make sure you all have a really good Christmas. And if you're going to Villa Park on Boxing Day, wrap up warm. Make sure to check out 7500 to Halt on Twitter if you haven't already. And up the Villa. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.